And we're not going to come up with a solution at the end of this episode about what that line is, but that's what this episode is about. That's what this conversation is about, about where that line is between when you can convince someone and when you can force someone um, and what the difference is and whether it matters at all that the belief comes from a religion. Welcome to Freedom, a show about ideas that matter. I'm Trevor Burris. And I'm Aaron Ross Powell. On today's episode, Aaron and I banter a bit. We've had discussions about religion and politics for over two decades. In fact, when we were undergrads at CU Boulder, we ran a website devoted to philosophy of religion and political philosophy. Today we discuss Aaron's recent article about so-called new atheism and the role of religion in politics. Aaron, you recently wrote an essay about atheism, which was very interesting. I did. Uh, you and I both consider ourselves atheists, uh, but we've gone through different things in our lives about how we approach our atheism. Uh, what, what was the main gist of your essay? Sure. So yes, I am an atheist. Uh, I am also a Buddhist, which is an interesting question of whether that's a religion at all, but it certainly is an atheistic one, so we'll bracket that conversation for now. Um, the essay was prompted because I ran across online a, I think it was a, on social media, it was some account called Secular Students that shares like young college kid atheist memes. And this got put into my algorithmic feed for some reason, and it was a, um, it was a little comic that was two students talking and one of them is saying to the other and the one the one who's talking has a cross necklace that he's wearing so he's a christian is saying to the other what's it like being an atheist and the atheist friend responds do you think zeus is real and the christian says no and the atheist says it's like that and this is a fairly common argument that you see in like online atheist circles it's it's often the like one fewer god like i'm just like i atheist am just like you theist i just believe in one fewer god and and it's meant to almost trivialize the difference between the two is is like my takeaway from it that i think that this is this is one of those quips that sounds plausible to the atheist but doesn't take the nature of religious faith and the worldview that comes with it seriously. And, and the reason that it doesn't is because it's based upon essentially confusing a quantitative difference with a qualitative one, that it, it treats the difference between believing in one God and believing in no gods as, say, similar to believing in six gods versus five gods. When instead the the move from zero from one to zero is a radically different perspective on the nature of reality, the nature of the self, the nature of morality, our place in the universe, and so on, because of how much belief in God informs the fundamental worldview of of a member of a religious faith. And the reason I decided to write about it is because I think, and this traces like that the intellectual journey that you and I have been on together for 20 plus years. Um, 
I went through in our undergraduate years a very heavy like new atheist phase. I think the Sam Harris's The End of Faith came out either while we were in college or short before shortly before about 2004. Like, it was definitely I mean it was influenced by 9/11, so 2000. Okay, so we were 2004. It was it was in our college experience and I went through that heavy phase of being what I guess we now would call like militant atheists. Like I just wanted to argue with religious believers. I thought that faith was irrational and not just irrational, but dangerous. And it was, you had like a moral imperative and an intellectual imperative to show the unreasonableness of belief in God. And I read Richard Dawkins and, you know, thought the arguments all sounded very good and so on. And over the subsequent 20 years, I look back at that time, and I think this is in the essay, like I find it, I cringe to some extent thinking about that, that stridency, um, not because I have changed my mind about the existence of the supernatural or the origins of the universe or the truth of the Bible or anything like that, because I still am a fairly convinced atheist. Um but just that I changed my perspective on the motivations for and the value of religious faith and and changed my views on kind of the disutility of it, I suppose. And, and so now see a lot of the way that atheists treat the beliefs of religious people in as being like very kind of condescending and not just condescending, but straw manning or not. It's it's arguing against a kind of faith that I don't think is representative of the way that most people think about it or the role that it plays in their lives. But isn't like you make an analogy, you know, so like if, if someone uh, is a fan of football and you're a fan of three teams and someone says this is like being one less team you're like god oh, i just don't like football at all uh that that's the different that's what being an atheist is like but isn't that isn't it still true i mean are you really do you not like the argument um and we'll get to how this ties into politics don't worry uh but do you not like the argument and the attitude behind the argument because it is still true that people who don't believe in any god they believe in one less God. I mean, that's still technically true, right? And, you know, one of the things that always struck me as important, you know, this the, the argument that uh, if you believe something without evidence, then you can dismiss it without evidence. And th that's a philosophical truism, but people don't really understand why that's true. Um, if you believe X because of A, B, and C, then if not A, not B, and not C are shown to be true, then you should not believe X. Um, and so when you argue against someone who believes in a God and they say, well, I believe in a God no matter what, you can say, well, then you believe in a God for no reasons, fundamentally, because there has to be some standard of conditions that you can have your belief disproved or you don't have a good reason to believe. I mean, you still believe these things, right? Is it, It's just more about the attitude. It's a lot of it is about the attitude, and a lot of it is about the selectiveness of the application of that degree of demand for 
evidentiary support and and the way that it gets used in coupled with the notion of irrationality of that there is that that religious faithful are irrational people which does not seem to fit you know like both you and I know a lot of incredibly intelligent religious people who we admire deeply and to describe them as irrational seems like nonsense even if we think they are wrong about this particular fact about the world and and so that gets coupled with a frustration with people who are very very willing to apply an incredibly high evidentiary and argumentative standard to beliefs that they themselves don't hold but then don't kind of systematically apply that to the rest of their beliefs as well. So a lot of the people who like run in like the intellectual dark web circles online, the very strident atheists, believe all sorts of incredibly nutty stuff. A lot of them are conspiracy theorists of one kind or another. They believe in a lot of pseudoscience um, or they take like limited scientific principles and just radically extrapolate them out in order to back up political or social preferences that they have. They argue very poorly when those ideas are subjected to critique. And so it's the, the rationalization, the like, I am a rational person, the rationalist community, all of that often is just kind of a cover for there are some things I like and there are some things I don't like. And I'm going to just apply this, this form of like, evidentiary skepticism and so on to those ideas that I don't like. So it's it's more of it's more of a cultural thing and it's also a recognition of all of us have lots of beliefs that we either hold without having gone through the evidentiary chain to get there or we don't subject to radical critique on a regular basis that we don't examine deeply. And and so it's just the picking out of this particular one as the target um, when when what like I matters to me is people who have like harmful ideas that need to be challenged and sometimes religion is the source of those harmful ideas sometimes bad political beliefs are the subject of those are the source of those ideas sometimes corrupt cultural values are the source of those ideas and and so singling out religion as the thing to go after is both over-inclusive because it loops in all sorts of very reasonable, very rational, and very moral religious people, and under-inclusive because it allows these people to basically pretend perfect rationality in all of the kind of irrational and often dangerous beliefs that they have about other things. So how does your, uh, in the way that you are an atheist, uh, how would this tie in to political conversations? I mean, I, I have my own answer to that, but since we're talking to you now, we can talk about me later. But uh, where should someone, how should someone view religious beliefs and political beliefs maybe in a similar fashion? I think this is a challenging question. Um, and I know it's one that both of us have, have wrestled with because on the one hand, <clears throat> 
a lot of really bad stuff done in the political arena is motivated by religious beliefs that are not widely held like or or are not held by the people who are subject to the laws that flow out of those beliefs are punished by the state that is acting in line with those beliefs and so on um and and the the urge to essentially my religious beliefs lead to a certain set of cultural or social preferences and this then I want to use state violence to make everyone else live in accord with those preferences even if they don't share the underlying religious beliefs but that's the i mean to some extent like that's the nature of any sort of politics that goes beyond like i mean even pure rights protection is i believe that there's such a thing as human rights that ought to be protected i can't i maybe i can't point to evidence for the existence of rights. i think you can Hell, do that can't you can even do that point to evidence of the existence of other minds no, but you can't be radically uh, skeptical of this. I mean, maybe we need a de definition of what religion is. I mean, I have things sure. that I, you know, like I'm I'm pretty Kantian in my theory of rights. Um, I think that's a good argument. Um, there are other things that I think are are worse arguments. Um, for me, a religion is sort of a uh, it's a belief that reality is run by a value system. Uh, that is higher than other value system uh, and that and that this is a very capacious definition I'll agree with this it's it, reality is run by a value system that is higher and primary and I think the most important role of it is social because it, then you get to say there are tons of people who don't understand this value system or live by this value system and we need to do something about that is the next part about it which is how I would include certain things like w certain ways of being an environmentalist, I think is religious. Um, so not, not, yeah, I'm, I'm not saying environmentalism is religion. Please do not misunderstand me. Sure. I'm saying there are certain people I've met who are environmentalist in a way that is like a religion. I guess I am skeptical of that broadening of, I think that there are, there are, characteristics that we can describe as sometimes analogous to the way that religious people think about things, value things, act, and so on. But I'm skeptical of extending the term religion. Like I, In my mind, a religion requires a supernatural component. It, it requires some notion of like the sacred and the profane that's tied into that supernatural requirement. I think it also requires that that supernatural component has some sort of like normative weight so it's yeah, the that's, source that's that's of, the values behind reality that's that's what i meant by that right but those i i think environmentalism is not predicated upon beliefs in the supernatural um or or the people who argue that like not necessarily not necessarily but the idea that the there's a wholeness or unity or something to the natural world and preserving that is a higher value i think is supernatural I I guess I would quibble on what we mean by then. Fair, we fair. quibble at every single turn. That's the that's our goal. Fair enough. Just, fair enough. We'll, but we'll radically deconstruct all of yes, it. Yes. Okay. Um, continue. But yeah. Um, but I think that it is the case that that most of us go through our lives with lots of unexamined beliefs, and and often beliefs that even if there were a like we could we could in theory come up with an argument to prove the truth of this belief or 
we could find an evidentiary chain that leads to this belief. Most people who hold those beliefs couldn't do that work if you pressed them on it. Like they wouldn't on the spot say, oh yeah, I haven't thought about why I believe X, but here's why, right? And and so they're not holding them for the kinds of reasons that like the new atheists are demanding the religious people. That's fine. Like we we all do that. The and so this is and and then because our politics is unfortunately not limited to just we're going to protect against violence and theft and enforce rights, but instead the state is this tool for engineering society to look the way that we in this and each we is different, right? Like every person has a different notion of what that society looks like and we think it's justifiable. All of us are to some degree like using politics to try to enforce our own set of preferences. And I don't know that there is necessarily a meaningful moral distinction between me wanting to enforce a set of preferences that are based upon a religious grounding versus you wanting to enforce a set of preferences that are based upon another kind of equally unfounded set of beliefs. There's not something uniquely bad about the mere fact of the religion. Well, like, no, the difference is what, what I mean, going off of your rubric, the difference is, is that one of these set of preferences is higher, like according to the claimant, right? Like that, that's, it's not like I like blue houses and therefore my HOA is going to make sure that every house is blue because I like blue more than white. That's, I don't think anyone would call that a religious preference unless you go to a point that says blue is in line with a truth about the universe that is incumbent on everyone, no matter what. And then it would be like a religious preference. It would not just be like blue right, over you, white. You had asked how we should approach what the relationship between atheism and political practice is. And or or political institutions, political theory, how one approaches political questions and so on. And and what I'm saying is <clears throat> I think on the one hand, the problem with religious beliefs is they're not justifiable to the person outside of that faith, right? So if if a Catholic person comes to me and says, I oppose reproductive freedom because they the in the um, zygote or the embryo or the fetus is imbued with an immaterial immortal soul at the moment of conception, and and it's wrong to destroy the vessel holding immaterial immortal souls. My response is: Look, I am quite confident that immaterial immortal souls don't exist. Um, my, in fact, my Buddhism says belief in stuff like that is a large source of suffering in the world and is is like the kind of ignorance that causes suffering so not just that i think you're wrong but i think you're it would lessen suffering in your life and others if you gave up belief in kind of unchanging permanent essences and so on but i don't accept that and so that kind of undercuts now the 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 argument about which one about whether you should be allowed to enforce this you've kind of lost your reasons for it um in the sense of being able to persuade you mean you've lost like, the reasons because you don't accept that? Because that's that's, that's right. That's, if th but that that's weird. You, you don't accept their view of the immortal soul in a zygote, 
And because of that, Correct. they've lost the reason to enforce it against you. No, I'm what I'm clarifying. saying is they've lost, they have, they have lost an ability to justify that reason. Is it because you. people don't, ex oh, to you, not because there's, yes. it's not because other people don't accept it. That can't be the case, right? Lots of people accept it. Yeah. Right. So, so what I'm saying is if I say, if I come to you and I say, I want to pass a law that does X. Bans pornography. Right? Let's just say. Bans because, pornography. Because that's immoral. And, yeah. And I say, well, like, I don't think we should pass that law, but why? So we now have to have, ideally in like a democratic society, we have to be able to justify to each other why this stuff, it's not just like sheer exercise of will as the ideal. So why do you think we should ban pornography? If you turn around and say, well, I think it has like these deleterious social effects. I think it's addictive. It's I can show you like here's some studies that show the impact it has on development of like sec like healthy sexual lives and so on. Like I can still we can still argue about that evidence. I can say like, well, here's a counter study that shows X, Y, and Z, and I think it undercuts and all that. And we still might not agree with each other, but it's like the evidence that we're having, we can have a conversation about that evidence because it's we're operating on like a shared ground of, yes, if something is widely harmful to people, that does seem to be evidence against it, you know, and most people would share that intuition. But if instead what you're saying is, be, is I think we should ban it because I believe that there is a supernatural being who says it's bad— and then I say, well, I don't believe in that supernatural being. Now the only argument that we can really have about it is you trying to convince me that supernatural being exists. Because if that supernatural being doesn't exist, then the weight of the reason you just gave for banning pornography in this case just drops to effectively zero. It, it's, in, it's, and you know, Aaron and I have not talked about this in this explicit way, so we're working this out, guys, as, a, <laughs> as we're going, but... Uh, I wrote about years ago that the problem with religious belief is private evidence. And I think you're kind of saying this. Uh, yes. So like private evidence is God came unto you and enlivened your being and you had a revelatory moment and you can't really explain. You can tell people that you had that moment, but you but that information is not public information. Right. You can you can say this is a thing that happened to me, just like you can say I got abducted abducted by aliens and no one saw it. Right. And and but like there's public evidence, which would be like, go look at the field where I claimed I was abducted by aliens and there are burn marks and you know, what whatever evidence of a alien abduction. But if it's just that you only have your experience, then you have a problem in liberalism, I think. And I think that's the point you're making that that private evidence being used to justify public coercion is the problem in some way uh not always but it, it is the problem like i i that's why we respect religious belief but also say you can't put it on me i i don't think people really use the terms that we're using but i'm going to use them now um because you felt the presence of jesus and enlivened your life does not mean you can uh justifiably coerce people to go in line with your private evidence. Is that, is that in line kind of with what you're saying? Yes. Although we can, 
um, as we're wont to do, we can complicate that. Oh, no, that was totally simple. No, we got the, I just laid it down. There's no more complications about that. We figured it out. (laughs) Because, because yes, there are religious believers who are just like, I just felt the presence of Jesus and now I know it's true. And it is, it's like, so their, their belief and then therefore the, the cultural values they would say want to see reflected in politics is the result of purely private evidence as, as you've termed it. But we both know that's not the case for a lot of, you know, if you ask a, a smart Christian why they believe in God, they will point to, they, most of them won't just say revelation. They will point to very sophisticated philosophical arguments proving first the existence of like a prime mover and then a prime mover with certain characteristics. It needs, the prime mover needs to be all-knowing and needs to be all-powerful and needs to be conscious of, in some way. And then from there, we can get through a chain of reasoning to- yeah, through Mark, well, Luke, and John and the Gospels. And, and yes, the revealed like Christianity, Christianity or whatever yeah. the religion happens to be. You know, like they might just hand us like Alvin Plantinga's sufficiently basic beliefs and be like, this is what proves it. And and those are, I mean, I think I, I find those arguments unpersuasive, obviously, or I would believe in these religions, right? But they're not on their face stupid arguments. Um, these are, they're like philosophically sophisticated you know, there. Yes, there are philosophically sophisticated Christians, um, and just so listeners know, I myself am an atheist, an agnostic atheist, uh, meaning I use agnostic in the original meaning of the term, which is that I don't think anyone knows whether or not God exists, uh, but I'm quite sure that God doesn't exist. But I'm mostly um, not a Christian because I've studied it extensively. I almost went to do grad school in New Testament studies, and I mostly just think that Christianity is unjustifiable as a historical belief that this happened. Um, But you're right. uh, They don't just say, I believe in Jesus because I had a revelation moment. They say, I believe in Jesus because of all this publicly available evidence uh, that, that, that you makes it true that other people should believe in Jesus. Now, that's what com- complicates the situation. It would almost be easier if we're talking about you know, political ramifications, which are in the backdrop of this conversation. If we say you're not allowed to coerce people based on uh, your revel- revelation, your private evidence, but they're saying as you pointed out, oh, but there's so much public evidence and it's so convincing. You know, and I think the question that we really have to put forth is, you know, when can someone coerce people? Because we can imagine tons of situations with, you know, someone knowing something and other people not knowing it and they actually know it, right? They they know an asteroid is coming, but other people don't know it. what was that movie? Don't look up with the, yeah, like that or any sort of fanciful situation. We can imagine tons of those and ask the question of when can you coerce someone based on what we're calling private belief for, for the purposes of this conversation. Right. And, and this is where I think it's, it makes it challenging to draw that line between the religious belief and and kind of the necessary 
political consequences of it um, and how how we should incorporate these kinds of these beliefs derived from these different sources into our our political theorizing because another i mean another aspect of this is for every christian or muslim or jewish person or hindu or whatever who might have see their religion as leading to a set of preferences they'd like politics to instantiate that i object strongly to you can find a Christian or Muslim or Jewish person or Hindu who is just as committed in their religious faith, who thinks their religious faith points to the opposite direction. Or, you know, there are there are many, there are lots of Christian reactionary right-wingers with lots of very bad ideas, the Christian nationalism and so on, but there are also lots of like incredibly liberal cosmopolitan Christians whose political views end up looking very similar to so, mine. So, that, so just to clarify, this is reminds me of Michael Humer, my friend and former professor. Uh, is disagreement a reason to be skeptical of your own views? I think you're saying yes. I, I mean, not about, not about everything, but like if we're trying to construct a, a set of beliefs and a set of beliefs that we have of ones that are you know, things that we think are quite likely to be true, like that the window that I'm looking at is there versus ones that are maybe less likely to be true. Um, I do believe in alien life, uh, for example, um, just generally speaking, but I think that's less likely to be true than the window in front of me. Uh, do we need to have like a hierarchy based on agreement to some extent? Well, that's not quite where I was well, going. Well, I mean, with but that, that other people of my what faith that other people of your faith disagree with you. Right. What is the significance of that to a person who believes their faith? So, one significance of that is, and this is something I wrote. A, I wrote another essay a while back that I it's called the religious prejudice trilemma, where uh, I I say that for. We might think like I have a set of religious beliefs and they tell me to, say, be prejudiced against a certain category of people. So that might be God doesn't like transgender people or it might be God doesn't like the gays or it might have been God opposes interracial marriage or whatever it happens to be. And and I, because I believe that my religious beliefs are true and therefore that God is the source of morality— I necessarily need to have this prejudice against this group of people. And there are a lot of people on especially kind of the reactionary right who have that that drive. Um, and you can see lots of religious arguments for a lot of really ugly things going back as long as there have been religious arguments being made. Um, and And in that piece, what I argue is there are other conclusions that you might draw from the belief, my God wants me to hate these people. There are other possibilities besides it's true that my God wants me to hate these people, therefore I should hate them. And and you should – and I think the disagreement, the fact that there are lots of people who share your religious faith, at least in its broad brushstrokes, who don't hate those people, don't see anything wrong with those people, that disagreement ought to encourage you to at least give a little bit of attention to – the other 
possibilities. And those other possibilities could be, you might be wrong about your religious faith, right? Like you might just simply be like the, the, the God that you think exists and is telling you to hate these people doesn't actually exist. That could be a possibility. Um, you might be, and this is the one that the disagreement speaks to, I think, you might be misinterpreting. You know, like you might just have gotten your scripture wrong or have misread something or have been led astray. And in fact, your scripture or your God, if your God actually exists, doesn't say that sort of stuff or says something different. Um, or it might be that if, if it is morally wrong to be prejudiced against these groups of people, then maybe you have interpreted your God correctly. Maybe your God does exist, but your God is not the source of morality because your God's gotten this moral thing wrong. And, and so you should reject that. And lots of religious people would say none of those three prongs actually is true, but they're things, they are, they are like live and logical possibilities to explain this belief that it, you know, that ought to be considered. And so I think, as I said, the if there is genuine disagreement within your religious faith about this or between religious faiths, then that strengthens the assertion that I'm making that you ought to consider these other possibilities before jumping to actually there is something at like the cosmic level wrong with being gay and therefore our politics should reflect that. It's it's interesting because it makes you want to go back to the conversation about things that are not ostensibly religious like environmentalism as I brought up. Um, wherein, because I, when I defined religion in a kind of loosey-goosey way, but, it, but the, to me it was about the supreme value aspect of it, uh, a, a, a assumed supreme value aspect of a belief system. And I know you don't like this, but I also do think some people have, and I, I don't like the word either, but wokeism, I think they treat it that way. Um, I think the observation that when you make a society less religious in the traditional sense, it doesn't take away people's desire to collectively pursue a higher value and the other part of it is is the combativeness that's the thing about it to me because there's the community aspect that like conservatives like to talk about because there are people who don't believe in religion itself or don't really some people who believe in god don't seem to believe in god let's, let's say god in this situation they believe that people should believe in God for the purposes of community. Um, like, so they have a belief in religion, uh, but it's like a secondary, second order belief. And I, you know, I understand that. Like, it is a great source of community, but one aspect of community is creating uh, the non community. Uh, it's inherent in the concept. So I think people, I think you get that from the left uh, who are demonstrably less religious uh, you know in any on any scale in terms of self-identifying as Christian or whatever uh, to pursue higher values together that other people disagree that those are the values um, and I don't think the supernatural thing is important in this 
in terms of the motivational aspect of it and and how much and how far they'll go to pursue those values right i think that that i think it kind of evens out and yeah i don't i'm not going to sit here and write a perfect definition of religion but uh i notice people believing irrational things and this goes back to the original question of this conversation why are you believing something that is manifestly like it's contentious you're putting your entire life into it and you're willing to coerce other people for it uh and destroy their value system in the name of your value system that to me is the political problem right that to me is the fundamental political problem because we should we should regard these things as contentious like going back to you know that when should you coerce someone like and I think that that's the basic liberal point that if we all agree that like you know murder is wrong and that's widely agreed to and all these other things are wrong um but you know banning pornography is different than banning murder there's something different about that banning pornography is ban is a banning based on an opinion that is more contentious than banning murder sure but contentious opinions are not always wrong and and so i think you could the the correct me if i'm misparaphrasing but you said it is the problem is when you have a contentious, so it's certainly not widely held opinion that you believe in very strongly that goes against widely held values and you believe that you have the right to coerce people into not not accepting those values but living in accord. Yeah, so I, the them. only thing I would dispute in that and no one like put comments in and you know follow some weird contradiction I made uh contentious values so you said widely held values like i don't like um so the question of whether or not uh we should preserve um the environment at all costs for example or what level of cost we should preserve that i think is fundamentally contentious um and i think that's one reason why like the don't look up example is absurd or as we've talked about years ago one thing that religious religions try to do is postulate a, a cataclysm like an absolute you know in times kind of situation to make sure that they that they demonstrate that their values are not even a thing you can dispute if god is going to smite the entire earth because of homosexuality then it doesn't matter what your opinion about homosexuality is you'll lose everything else in your life and if the world is going to die because of climate change as opposed to just adjust, but if it's going to be an apocalypse, then it doesn't matter that you care or have different values levels. And people, and religious people, that's the other thing. Religious people try to apocalypt, apocalypticize. <laughs> There's some sort of verb there. Uh, their eschatological would be the right word. Their viewpoints to make sure that people have to agree with their values. So I, I would say they're not. They're they're not. There's just a difference in the values. I mean, people care about the environment to different degrees. People care about like uh, sexual morality to different degrees. It's just that you try to make sure that that your your belief system is saying you have to agree with me, and I will coerce you for it. Right. So if we take that as indicative of something that is problematic within the political sphere. I think there also has to be an element of 
there's an unstated assumption that they are wrong in either at the basic level or in the stridency of it. Because otherwise, what you just described would, I think, apply to, say, very early abolitionists who believed, so at a time when there are times when people thought that slavery was perfectly okay. It was a decidedly minority position to oppose human bondage, I, not just in the U.S., but historically. Lots of societies have been slave-owning societies. They have had lots of arguments for why some people are naturally either naturally predisposed to be slaves, which is how you get like racial slavery, or like the ancient Greeks, it was more there are certain actions that you can take that then make it okay for you to be enslaved. Um, the the opponents of that, it was a contentious view to think that slavery was an absolute moral wrong. Um, they held that view very strongly, and they absolutely thought that they were within their rights to coerce others to live in accord with their abolitionist views. I mean, John Brown being, you know, the, the obvious example. Personal hero of mine, and, yes. And they were 100% right. You know, like it wasn't, I don't think we would say that was just like kind of an irrational religion or the kind of thing, or that those beliefs were the kinds of things that shouldn't have entered into politics because in retrospect, we see them as absolutely right. The slavers are 100% wrong and you are, not only are you within your rights to coerce slavers into giving up their slaves, but you probably have a moral obligation to coerce slavers to give up their slaves. And and so I think it's hard to draw a line that isn't just, I personally don't think these particularly strident people are correct in whatever it is that they are being very strident and contentious about. Um, and we could we could offer reasons why the, you know, the people bombing abortion clinics are actually different from the abolitionists in in these important ways, but it's going to be it's going to be challenging to come up with like a bright line test on that or to just characterize one set as a religious set of beliefs and the other as not and this is where i think as far as how the atheism the religion fits into like the way that i think about politics i guess over time i just became less interested in the question of whether a particular set of ideas or preferences was motivated by religion or not by religion and more about the whether it was the kind of thing that we ought to be doing or not, whether it was a, an ethical set of values. Because you can, you can derive a, a perfectly ethical way of looking at the world and your interactions with others and then the politics that flow from that from religious priors, or you can derive a terribly unethical perspective on the world from religious priors. But there are also lots of atheists who come up with terribly unethical ways of viewing the world and their relationships with others and categories of people and so on. And so, you know, there are, you can be a racist for religious reasons, but you can also be a racist because you think science points to racism, you know? And, and so the problem for me is not religiously motivated racism, it's racism. However, whatever is motivating it. And and that's the broader thing about the politics is I lost, I guess I lost interest in explicitly in, or primarily condemning religion or seeing religious motivations as uniquely bad and instead just focusing more on the problems themselves. 
Yeah, I'm in the same place. I, and I don't want you to think that, you know, I don't think I'm actually getting anything by describing environmentalism and some, you know, some versions of environmentalism and some versions of wokeism as religion. That I, I want to make that clear. Um, I think people think that they've like won an argument if they can like throw it into this category, right? But when I defined, you know, sort of, you know, ham-fistedly defined religion at the beginning, I just defined it as like an overarching value system that determines that, that do you think, I mean, I do think that it's like behind the world and it runs the world and it's what people should be striving for and that's how the world should be oriented. And so it doesn't, to me, it doesn't make it automatically wrong. It's more about the way that people who believe those things go about pursuing those, those goals, those about that value system. And I think it's clear. I mean, like that's one reason why, like I said, I, I, you know, people want to say that environmentalism is like a religion and wokeism is like a religion is because we have people gluing their hands to the road, you know, uh, the you know, environmentalist protesters th throwing paint on pictures, which the only people you've ever seen do that kind of stuff before in history are like Christians who, you know, or like, you know, when the Taliban blew up the beautiful 400 foot tall statue of, of Buddha, um, you only do that stuff if you have a religious character and motivation to your belief system. That does not make it wrong, though. And I think the thing that, you know, we have yet to figure out, you know, I don't know how we haven't figured out the world in 45 minutes, Aaron, but uh, we have yet to figure out is what what is what is the proper general belief for when you can what values a person holds even supreme values that they hold uh can be enforced by government um because yeah so some of these things should be considered is your is your belief fundamentally contentious as you said, though, that that doesn't, you know, there was a long period of time when everyone agreed that slavery in general was okay, right? So is that good enough? Um, should you use uh, a different ethical system? And the last time we talked about this, we talked about ethics. I'm not a virtue ethicist. Uh, and I do believe that people can realize ethical truths, but I'm exactly on the same page that uh whether or not it, it doesn't matter that it comes from religion, uh, you're, you you could either be ethically, you could have a belief in slavery that comes from religion, or you could have a belief against slavery that comes from religion. But the actual question is slavery wrong has nothing to do if it comes from religion or not. And so I, I that's that to me. And that's where I think the meta question comes in, where you have to actually, um, have a theory of the state, as we talk about on this show all the time and, and for years on free thoughts, you have to have a theory of the state and you have to combine it with your own ethical beliefs and come up with like essentially a conclusion about those two things together, um, wherein you're allowed to go to someone and try to convince them, you know, very wholeheartedly that X is true, but you're not allowed to use the government to force them to do that. 
And we're not going to come up with a solution at the end of this episode about what that line is, but that's what this episode is about. That's what this conversation is about, about where that line is between when you can convince someone and when you can force someone um, and what the difference is and whether it matters at all that the belief comes from a religion. Like, I don't think it matters at all, and I don't think you do either. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's possible there might be some edge cases where I would could be convinced it mattered, but by and large, and I think that this is ultimately this this isn't again like a bright line satisfying answer to that question of when can you can coerce versus when must you persuade, um, or when are you allowed to coerce in the absence of persuasion, but. And and I don't think anyone can – I I guess I predict I will never be satisfied with any bright line answer to that that is offered. I guess uh, I, I just thought of a phrase that I've never thought of before, but I should have. We have hard cases make bad law. Hard cases make bad philosophy. Yes. Um, but I think that the way that we ought to respond to that because we are in, in kind of our – um, non-ideal theory world that we find ourselves in where we have to make, we have to come up with a decision at some point. This is why philosophers are bad lawyers or judges is because at some point, like that guy on trial needs an answer eventually. And the philosophers are, will just argue about it for 2000 years is to say, okay, maybe we can't draw a bright line, but in those in that means that we should err on the side of persuasion it means that we should err on the side of where there seems to be genuine disagreement where the we have fewer reasons to think that this is a slavery example where you know the the minority might be right and these are again we can disagree about even those categorizations but our takeaway should be from all of this, err on the side of not coercing. Um, err on the side of respecting disagreement. Um, err on the side of seeing, looking for ways that disagreements can be, I guess, like compossible in how we go about living. Like, can can you and I agree to disagree, basically? Is that an option? Um and and put a thumb on the scale for those kinds of solutions versus jumping to coercion. And there are going to be lots of cases in the middle where we're not going to be able to, you know, it's going to be hard. It's going to be challenging. We're not going to feel like we made the right decision no matter which way we go. But err on the side of freedom and equal dignity and respect for disagreement um, and and we won't get all the answers right, but we will get we'll get more of them right than if our attitude is the opposite. Thank you for joining us on Freedom. This is a listener-supported show. If you'd like to get access to episode transcripts, bonus content, extended conversations, and our Discord community, go to www.freedom.audio.